0: In the sky it's a bird it's a plane it's your friendly neighborhood spider-man well it's official we are back for another exciting episode of watching comics are you ready jake
1: i'm very ready good that's better than not very ready Yeah, which, you know, I think puts me ahead of where I usually am. (laughs) Totally. So it's a good night. It is. It's going to be a great night. I think, I actually think, I think it's an especially great week for you. Uh, I don't know if I should let you introduce this to all of our listeners, but... Uh, a very special someone to you had an eightieth anniversary this year this week.
0: Yeah, it was kind of a big deal. And um as a lifelong Superman fan, if you're first of all, if you're listening to this podcast but you don't follow comics or comic book movies at all, like in any social media platform, and then you're God not aware bless you. and God bless you, but you're 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 also a little <laughs> weird to be listening to this anyway. But hi mom. Anyway. <laughs> hi, Jake's mom, we love you anyway. But <laughs> Yesterday was the 80th anniversary of Superman's character being launched into American pop culture. Uh, 80 years ago, Action Comics number one hit shelves, and it completely transformed modern society, pop culture, and the comic book and entertainment industry as we know it. And so yesterday was not only that big day, but it also marked the release of the 1000th issue of action comics itself as well, which is the homestay comic of Superman and Lois Lane and the rest of his normal gang. So it was a really, really big day. And I got the nice big action comics history, um, 80 years of Superman, like 400 page compendium in the mail, which was great. Got my action comics, 1000th copy or 1000th comic, which was wonderful. And I just, I busted out, all of my Superman stuff and it was wrote this really cool nostalgic piece online about the first time I went to the comic book store. And it just, it was a very important and fun day for me to both experience like this cool thing that I've been attached to for over 20 years, this milestone, but then also just kind of relive some nice thick nostalgia too. It was, it was nerd tastic. It was childlike. It was man, boy, awesome. It was just really, really cool.
1: Yeah, I mean it's just it you know, and, and for anyone who hasn't picked up on this yet, Mitch is more in the DC wheelhouse. I enjoy DC a great deal, but I think Mitch lives there more than I do. Um for shiz. and Superman is definitely what? Uh, oh, I said for shiz, just keeping my oh, street yeah. right out there. Yeah, I mean, and and so Mitch definitely is more the Superman expert than me. I just think though that like no matter where you land on this, like if pop culture is not how it is without this. And you know, I really think it's important to just consider two high school guys came up with this character and five years later had him in Action Comics number one. And, it, it you know, I mean, if you know the whole story, it wasn't a great business decision. Spoilers. But um, <laughs> <laughs> they lost money. <laughs> I mean, just a just a sizable fortune and one of the most recognizable characters of the 20th century. Not not a lot. Just a small loss. Um <laughs> But but it's a really big deal and I I think it's summed up best with – there was a crossover comic of – oh man, it's probably like 10 years ago now called Final Crisis that looks like it's going to be one thing and all this stuff happens. And at the end of it though, it's all by this guy Grant Morrison who is a really trippy meta storyteller. And the conclusion of Final Crisis is – basically this heartwarming moment after like the darkest worst time in the dc universe they say you know this guy superman he might not even be real but if he's not real then that's an even bigger deal because it means that there are people out there that are capable of conceiving of a character like this and it's this really awesome love letter to just what superhero comics are and to what this genre is and can be at its best. And I have said many times that I really feel like superheroes are our modern day mythology. Um, they, They serve that same purpose for us that Hercules and Zeus did for the Greeks or, you know, Odin and Thor for those wacky Vikings. And I just think that like, it's a really big moment. It's a really big deal. No matter where you fall On the spectrum of loving comic books, hating them, loving movies, hating them, or my mom, who, confession, does not listen to this crap, actually. Um, (laughs) But wherever you fall on that, it's just such an, an insane moment in pop culture that it really does deserve honoring and stopping and acknowledging. And also, good on DC for making that schedule line up to get Issue 1000 out on the 80th anniversary. They were on top of it absolutely on top of it um
0: the thing the thing that's remarkable about superman is that um, i promise we'll get to the other stuff here in a second but yeah this actually isn't even
1: our topic tonight
0: yeah i know right (laughs) jerry siegel and joel and joe schuster the guys that created superman are a couple of jewish teenagers at the time who were recognizing that in 1938 the world was at a an apex of just unrest. And they really wanted to experience something fantastical and escapist, but also very hopeful. And they created that. And and what they didn't realize they were going to do was usher in an entire age. Of the superhero, which was going to be something of great influence and lasting power that ultimately comes back to this concept of like we can see our best selves and see a different way of the way things can be and see things in a pure light completely differently with this sort of world being thrust upon us. And ironically, it gives us a sharper glimpse of our humanity at the same time. So. I uh, I actually – so I wrote this piece. If you want to check it out, it's on our Twitter and on my Twitter. Um, it's called uh, My First Comic Book and Why Superheroes Make Us Better. It's pretty easy to find online if you follow my stuff. But I wrote this piece where I kind of talk about how I go to the comic book store the first time with my dad and I get my first Superman comic. And then I kind of break it up into the section then about how it changed my life but then also how Superman and comic books and superheroes kind of just changed everything and there's a little piece that i just want to shout out here it says comic books give us heroes of different colors creeds societal contexts sexual attractions and they deliver it in a way that dares us to reimagine what may be seen as good in another and all of that through the medium of visual art and the written word and comic books with all of these types of heroes they uh They are more than just entertainment. They allow us to embrace humanity and fuel a fire of hope, identity, and confidence. We love them because they are a radical art form that allows us to both celebrate our childlike wonder as well as inspire us to be our best selves regardless of our age. And I just think that is a big, big deal. And it's not that Superman accomplished all of this. It's that Superman- carried this new age on his shoulders and ushered it in and it's just so incredible to think about how much social commentary how much creative storytelling how much important moments for identification and people seeing themselves on the page and on the screen and all these things all that is made possible because of the arrival of superman and superman is still thriving today which is pretty incredible 80 years later but it's just comic books and superheroes are not a small thing If they're merely escapism for you, that's great. That serves a big purpose, but they're also not a small thing. And that's just kind of how this big anniversary, like this big anniversary, just gave me time and space to really chew on that for a while. And it was great for me to realize that at age 30 with a daughter who I give comic books to and all of these things, and just realize that, yeah, it does mean something in addition to it being fun and childlike at the same time.
1: You know, and truly the most incredible thing is that we seriously just winged it on that whole segment. Zero (laughs) prep, zero communication beforehand. I just opened my big mouth and there we went. So imagine what we'd be capable of with some planning.
0: I know, but at the same time, the spontaneity is what keeps people coming back to the
1: water cooler. I mean, right? I actually, I, I do deliberate, to, to be fair, I joke a lot about the, you know, I say, I call this crap and stuff. I'm actually pretty proud of this podcast. And to be clear, I, I go pretty far out of my way to give us that natural, you know, I want instant reaction. I want you and I to be having a really natural conversation. So I actually try really hard not to communicate much with Mitch in the lead up about what we're going to say. True story. Um,
0: Jake and I have a text strand going on, and most of it is a random assortment of emojis or questions saying, are your kids in bed so we can record tonight? (laughs)
1: That's that's
0: about it. Right. Yeah. Uh, Various technical difficulties being explained. Pretty much because this is what the dad life is like. We're just finding our (laughs) way in the dark. man. so the real reason we're here is because next week, Jake, I don't know if you're aware, but a big movie is coming out next week.
1: Yeah. Um, oh man, I had a great joke to go and I just blew it. Let's move on. It's Avengers.
0: (laughs) And, and it's, and it's not just Avengers. It's Avengers starring every single A and B list celebrity in the history of Hollywood ever. (laughs) And they're somehow going to try to make this movie less than three hours and give everyone screen time and all of that Stuff, but it's it's the team up superhero movie of like I don't know like it, it just the trailers make it look like it's Michael Bay's wet dream. <laughs> it's what it looks like, and, and it, I don't know if that's a good like, thing or a bad thing.
1: Avengers colon payday because. Yes everybody's in this thing like getting there and and marvel's notorious about not paying people a ton so i'm sure robert downey jr is going to get like three billion dollars per second on screen and everybody else is making about what i do per hour and so but I, i it's gonna man it's so huge like can you imagine like 15 years ago if somebody told you this movie was going to happen And not just that it was going to happen, but it wouldn't just be like you, me and three guys from college standing in line to see it.
0: And it doesn't look like it's going to be like one of those awesomely bad. I make fun of this movies type of thing. It's going to be it's going to be high quality.
1: Yeah, this isn't 90s Fantastic Four or the, the Star Wars Christmas special. This is real deal, man. Real deal, and um,
0: I do want to get to a point where we predict who is going to die in this movie, but yes, we don't want to – I don't want to do that yet. Cool. Before, before we, we watch Avengers next week and we dish on it on this podcast because this is your preeminent source of comic book movie opinions, mm. then we wanted to definitively decide here a week before this big movie because it's very possible that Infinity War may, may mark the last or the beginning of the end of the of the first ushering in of the chapters of Avengers, of like Iron Man and Captain America, and some of the old guard who have been doing this for, for almost 10 years. So we are here to decide, once and for all, between Jake and myself, who has the better movies, Iron Man or Captain America? So Jake, just for anybody that doesn't quite understand the difference or fully following the, the difference, difference between their respective movies and the Avengers movies and all those sorts of things. you want to break down which, which movies we're actually talking about here?
1: Yeah. I mean, for, I guess for my prep work for this, um, I don't can, I'm not thinking about the Avengers films, right? So the Avengers and then age of Ultron are off the table here. So I think it's a three versus three situation. You've got Iron Man, Iron Man two and Iron Man three. And then you have Captain America, who does not care for numbers and instead does no. subtitles. He, he and so likes got, colons. Yeah, he's he's all, yeah, all about the colons. Um, you've <laughs> Iron Iron Pass-
0: Man's a counter because he has money, <laughs> and Captain America is a colon because he enjoys linguistics.
1: Perfect. Well done, man. I think we just summed up all of the last ten years of pop culture. Um, Boom. You're welcome. <laughs> no, but but uh, so you've got um, the first Avenger. Then Winter Soldier and then Civil War are the three Captain America films. And and so it's kind of a three versus three situation there. Okay. So those are the six movies we're talking about. And Jake
0: and I, as we kind of allude to, we don't really have – a script or plan going into this. We basically just say, hey, let's try to decide who's got the better movies. So uh Jake, I'm just gonna kind of decide here. Off the cuff, or maybe you've been thinking about this for three days. I don't know. How about you just rattle off for me real quick your top six ranking one through six?
1: Ooh, ooh, I didn't go that deep in it. This is good. So this is gonna be a little bit spontaneous. Okay, you and I, I, I know where our big disagreement is gonna happen because my number one is probably your number six, I think. And yes, I, I
0: was hoping I, that would happen.
1: Yeah, I, I really think – I think you and I may land – I don't know. We'll see. I think we may land really similarly except on this film because I think Civil War is just a tick under the Dark night for perfectly made superhero cinema. Oh, yeah. Okay, so – okay, okay, okay. Wait. <laughs> pa- Jake. Jake. And that's how the okay. podcast ended. Man. Like they never heard from us again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, well, it's been a good run. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Happy trails! Do you want me to, to break that down, or do you want me to do my six? Because I can do either. I
0: just, I just want to say we'll finish the six after I just say that I, I expected Civil War to be the towards the top of your list, but the fact that you said it in the same breath as dark night really makes me cringe. I, I have a clenched fist right now, like right by my mouth and I'm wanting to <laughs> bite my finger. It's just like I'm having a visceral reaction here. So I, just need, I, I need the audio to reflect that, that yeah, you did well, that to me.
1: And I think I've got the clear visual image and, it, and I'll elaborate a little bit when we get to that point. But so for me, it goes civil wars tops winter soldier is second um the original iron man comes in third um first avenger the original captain america is fourth iron man three would be fifth and iron man two is sixth is how i would rank them okay okay that's really interesting um and and we
0: do we do different or differentiate a little bit here so that's that's good for the sake of parody here so right, i will yeah. do it's Gonna be a much more do... interesting episode Exactly. It's more than just high five. We agree. <laughs> I, I, I almost, I hate it when people do this. I almost want to say one, a one B, because it's really difficult for me to split hairs mm. between number one and number two. But I think I can definitively say it, until I change my mind five minutes from now. Number one, winter soldier, number two, iron man, one, number three, um, First Avenger, number four, Iron Man two,
1: number five, Iron Man three, number six, Civil War. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, we probably should have done one another's lists and see where we came out. <laughs> All right. I think see how we'd badly we insulted right. each other. <laughs> um,
0: OK, so I think it's pretty clear from your list. If we're just looking from the sheer rankings, it's pretty clear to determine that you believe Captain America has the best
1: movies tied to his name. You know, the way that I think he's he's in your top two spots. Yeah, absolutely. The way I would summarize it is I think that I I don't want to I don't want this to turn into any kind of like slam on the Iron Man films because I think they're great. I just think I think Tony Stark's the more interesting character, but I think Captain America's benefited from the better films. But I think you can also make a strong case that Captain America really benefited and got really lucky when they went and landed the Russo brothers to run his last two films. And now the Russos are running the Avengers franchise. Uh, And I I think that, you know, with the Iron Man movies, you've got, they're kind of the prototypes, right? Like we're still sort of figuring out how to move the superhero genre beyond the excellent, but formulaic Spider-Man films um, X-Men films of the early 2000s and we're trying to say these were great stepping stones but how do we go beyond that and Iron Man is where we start ironing uh, hey ironing the kinks out that's um, yeah, a dad point. pun <laughs> but you know and so I don't I don't want to say because I, I think that the Iron Man films are great and I think that oh my gosh I just spaced his name director played Happy Hogan um, John Favreau Thank you, Favreau. I think Favreau is a great filmmaker and I am not trying to take any shots because I don't think if Favreau doesn't do what he does, I don't think Captain America movies are as good as they are. But if you're just asking me better movie to just sit down and watch, I got to go with the Captain America films.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, so I I agree with you on a couple of concepts like Iron Man is by far the more interesting character And because I think I but it's also, I guess, just maybe a difference of preference on story arc and what sorts of components you enjoy about superhero movies, because I feel like the most interesting character in the Captain America lore is Bucky, the Winter Soldier, Mm. but. But I guess you just have to decide then like if you're just talking about what is compelling about your main characters, what do you want? Do you want a more compelling person who may be more wearing the black hat or do you want a more compelling leading man? And um, that that seems to be the dichotomy there because I don't think – I just don't think that Steve Rogers is that interesting of a character. At least in the way that he – I'm not as familiar with him in the comics, but at least the way that he's portrayed in the movies, he is just – I mean he's a glorified Boy Scout. And and I get that that's the way he has to be with the way that they've set up those movies, but for someone who genuinely enjoys cinema and for someone who, who tends to – go more towards the DC side where there's a little bit more nuance and gritty characterization and stuff like that. I am more interested in a little bit more character study in what I have. And so that may be part of the reason why I'm not, I don't know, civil war. I just felt like the stakes weren't really earned in that movie. And Winter Soldier did such a good job of establishing that struggle of relationship and which side do I need to be on and who do I need to fight for and what do I need to preserve that I don't think it it carried over as well in the Civil War. I I, I guess I just I wasn't I wasn't as gripped by the Bucky thing as much in Civil War being the, the divisive thing in that movie
1: as it, it was the driving force of Winter Soldier. Does that make sense? yeah no, that that makes sense to me. I, I think to to speak to a couple things you said there I want to grab and and run with a little bit. You, you, it's interesting you mention Captain America, Steve Rogers, as the Boy Scout character because I was actually getting ready to say, I think that one one of Superman's nicknames is the Big Blue Boy Scout. Mm-hmm. Um, and And I think that I think Captain America is a compelling character for the same reason Superman is. Because when written correctly, Captain America represents an ideal to shoot for. Um, I don't disagree. I don't disagree
0: with you, but at least cinematically with these movies, I don't feel like I don't feel like Captain America has suffered nearly as much loss or turmoil or placement anxiety to the likes that Superman does. Like Superman starts starts his story off by losing his entire heritage. Steve Rogers is still an, is still an American human, you like those sorts of things. But I agree with you in the concept that like this boy scout painted in blue, leading the charge of a powerful ideal that unites people that is universal.
1: Well, and and that's just it. like, I, I think that I think with captain America and iron man in a way, and this is oversimplifying a few things, but in a way, you're talking about the same dichotomy you get in Batman and Superman. Because one is the stories are at their best in whatever medium, right? Because we've talked before about, I don't necessarily want to see a complete recreation of a comic book on screen, but I do want the spirit of the thing to be maintained. And I think the spirit of those characters are similar in that with Captain America or Superman, what you've got is the fully formed ideal. It's a character that he can struggle, he can doubt, but at the end of the day, he has to represent what's best in us. Whereas Batman and Iron Man, you've got a little bit more of a look at like a character who's all about overcoming our hubris and a character who is about our limitations more than our strengths. And and I think that that's a more compelling story as far as character study goes. And so I think that's why, If you're asking me who's the more interesting character study to stick to our discussion for this episode, I think Iron Man is the more interesting character study. And if you look at the Marvel films from Iron Man 1 to where we're at right now about to go into Infinity War, I think that Iron Man has had more of an arc and he's had more of an interesting growth as a character. And you could make the case that Civil War is really in a lot of ways the outcome of that. Um, and it's the fruition of his story more than it is Steve Rogers. But all that being said, again, to me, it's just the more entertaining films. You know, I, I just think Winter Soldier and Civil War are, are pretty nearly perfectly what they set out to be. I think I think Winter Soldier is.
0: Well, I guess until Black Panther came along, Winter Soldier was kind of just at the top of my list of the best of the Marvel ilk. Um, question. Yes. Do you think Iron Man 1 is the best first installment of a series of comic book movies for a character? I.e., mm-hmm. do you think it's better than Batman begins or man of steel or the first Superman movie or the first Spider-Man movie or any of those.
1: That's a really good question. And my brain goes about a hundred different ways on that. I just, I just I'm, was thinking about that as we've been talking and I yeah. think I'm, I think I'm comfortable putting
0: it in like the top two, top three. Cause I, I keep, cause I keep thinking about how part of the reason why Iron Man was so influential was because we hadn't done this yet. 2008 is when the first one came out. It's the first of any of these updated superhero movies outside of Batman Begins to come out. And because we. I, I mean, I guess we had Spider, the Tobey Maguire Spider Mans before them, but they they didn't lead to this larger universe. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, I don't. I, Iron Man felt like I remember watching it, feeling like I was watching a new way of making a film. It wasn't just watching a superhero movie. I felt like I was being thoroughly entertained and wowed simultaneously by something that was new. Like it, it felt new. It felt like something was going to be different after this, and all of those other movies feel like it it falls into that energy you know what i mean even some of the dc movies can be can be kind of clumped into that energy and so i think i'm comfortable saying iron man one better than spider-man one better than man of steel as much as i hate to say that like if i'm just thinking cinematically and i'm not thinking like favoritism wise And I think it's better than Batman Begins. If not, it's in the conversation as just as good as Batman Begins. I don't know if I want to say it's better than the first Superman movie with Christopher Reeve. But it's like, the more I think about it, I'm like,
1: if we're just talking about the first ones, it might be up there. What about, because I'm sitting here thinking, like, there's got to be something I'm missing. What about Tim Burton's original Batman? Oh, see, Batman Returns, like, leaves it in its dust. Not even close. Well, yeah, I mean no no batman returns is is certainly the more mature movie there there's Mm -hmm. a growth from batman to returns but if you're just asking best first installment that's true um i would say yeah iron man's better uh
0: just because i think as i think batman the burton's first batman has great nostalgia and it has iconic faces in it but i've I actually recently went back and rewatched the first Batman. I've watched I think two or three times. I've I've rewatched it two or three times over in as in as many years, actually. And I don't it does not hold up very well. Like there, there's some fun rompiness to it, but it just, it just doesn't, I don't think it holds up very well compared to the first Superman movie or compared to Batman returns or some of these older ones. I, I think it's aged pretty poorly. And as much as Jack Nicholson was iconic, I think his performance is just a little too juvenile and not quite, um, not quite what it should be. And Burton writ- wrote, wrote Keaton's Batman very poorly in that first movie and didn't give him enough um I guess exp- exposition and enough stakes with the Kim Basinger love connection. I just I I've, I I've rewatched it enough to think like man it, it it's good but it's missing something. I just I just think that every time I
1: watch it. Mm. Is it possible with Iron Man the original one that we underrate it because it was so good that so many things ripped it off and so many things drew, maybe not even ripped off, but drew their inspiration from it that it feels derivative when in fact it's the originator. Is it like when we go looking for somebody else to be the greatest player ever when Michael Jordan's right there in front of us, are we just overlooking the obvious and underrating it? It might be. And just for the
0: sake of having a number to put on it, IMDB has a rating system. And there are over seven hundred and eighty four thousand people who have rated Iron Man and over six hundred thousand people who have rated Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Iron Man is sitting at seven point nine. Winter Soldier is sitting at seven point eight. And those are the two highest ratings of all six movies we're talking about.
1: Just just to be that guy, I might point out that Captain America Civil War is also at a seven point eight. No, oh, yeah, well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but that
0: has that has 200,000 less people, I'm just saying. Well, an
1: Age of Ultron is at a 7.6 or yeah, 7.6. So I mean, Age 0. of Ultron 4, so it can't be that perfect. Age of Ultron could also be called Age of Toilet Trash. It's just Age of Trailers. It's just it's like The Amazing Spider-Man 2, it could have been a good movie. They just spliced in too many references to other movies that never even happened
0: or dare we just say the Avengers to age of Joss Whedon sucks. I just blatantly (laughs) say it exactly what it is. as a matter of fact.
1: So, Um, so let's get back on. Yeah, I was going to say, let's get back on track to the big one. Like I want to, I want to get at it here because I think the crux of this discussion might be civil war because it's the only movie that truly stars both of them, right? Like, even though it's a Captain America film, all of the promo art is the two of them staring each other down. And all of the uh, all of the story, like, it, you know, Iron Man launches the story as much as Captain America does, and the two of them conclude it together. So I, I really think that this is deserving of a little bit of our, our discussion time in Civil War. So can you break down for me, cuz we've we've alluded to this but we've never truly analyzed it what is the where's the breakdown for you of civil war like just just rate that sucker for us give us a mini review okay so the biggest thing
0: for me when i mean there are a lot of things that i think about when i go into a movie but if you want to if you want me to just say this is the arguably the most important component of whether I believe a story works or not when I'm looking at a movie. And and I understand what I'm about to say. It may seem like a little film nerdery, but it's possible <laughs> to bend this into whatever context it is I'm watching a movie. So it's not like – I may sound like I'm talking about an Oscar contender, but this also matters in a movie and comic book ilk as well, right? Like I, I understand that those sorts of things adapt. But basically what it all comes down to for me with Civil War is – I don't feel like the schism, the divide, the, the tipping point that makes the line in the sand be crossed to the point where we literally call this a civil war and Captain America and Iron Man must fight each other. I do not think there was a single ounce of that dispute that was earned in the way that they unfolded the story on screen. It felt very rushed, very underdeveloped, and very – Paper thin, if I could just kind of speak in some broad strokes there, it just seemed like, okay, we're going to write, we're going to sign these accords so that the other countries know that we're not going to like, you know, be be horrible people and invade and and be dangerous and all that sort of stuff. And then, but that also means we've got to bring Bucky in because he's a dangerous threat and stuff. And captain America is all kind of like, but he was my best friend a long time ago. And I'm not going to sign your piece of paper. And now Holy hell breaks out and everybody's fighting the most dangerous war the universe has ever seen. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I, I get that there's a lot of people in the movie and you've got to give everyone their time to say there can't be one liners because it's got to be half funny, half serious because it's a Marvel movie. And there was a lot of moments like that that were good. But at the same time, you've got to convince me that the biggest war, the biggest, most incredible and potentially dangerous and literally earth-shattering conflict, this universe is ever going to see. You have got to convince me that there is a reason to pick sides. You have got to convince me that there is a reason for people to be angry and fight against their friends and co-workers. And I I just I could not buy into it. I wasn't, and that seems to be the crux of the movie for me, right? Now, granted, it's a better team-up movie than Avengers One and Avengers Age of Ultron. I'll give you that. But I found myself having the debate on is civil war better than Batman versus Superman. And I like as much as I love DC and as much as I enjoyed Batman versus Superman, I saw it twice in theaters, but again, I have a bias going into that one. That movie has glaring, glaring flaws. And with as tight as the Russo brothers are able to create movies and with as much lore as Civil War had, I shouldn't be able to have the conversation of which one was better, BVS or Civil War. Civil War should have blown it out of the water and I just don't think it did. So I was just talking a whole lot right
1: there. I'm going to stop now and let you rebut. (laughs) No, I think you answered the question pretty well. I, I think... It's interesting because I think that you and I – I mean it almost sounds like you saw a different movie than me. And it's so fascinating the different perspectives we've got here because I don't think Bucky is the crux of the film. I think he's – I don't know. Is a MacGuffin the right right term there? Like he's not exactly – Maybe. I think it hinges on Bucky at certain plot points, right? Like he turns the plot, but I don't think that he's the conflict necessarily until the very end. I think that mm-hmm. I felt like the conflict was well. So, so let's compare the DC Marvel end of it again because Snyder debate. You know, one thing Snyder kept saying when people were critical of Man of Steel is, "But I wanted there to be real world consequences." And I kept looking at it like, "Well, giving me an extra thirty minutes of buildings falling down is necessarily real world consequences." But when that woman comes to talk to Tony Stark and is like yeah my my kid died in your super robot fight thinks a lot jerk and when you know when when all this stuff is going down i feel like civil war to me is the avengers movie that ultron couldn't be and it actually redeemed ultron a little bit for me because even though ultron's still kind of a rough watch it, it is now something that led to this moral conflict for tony stark because you've got It felt so earned to me because you've got from Iron Man 1 where he becomes, you know, he realizes he's been an arms dealer and a war profiteer, so he's trying to turn that around and he won't be responsible for his tech hurting people anymore. And then you've got, it grows to meaning well, he creates Ultron and so many innocent people die because of that. And then in Civil War, you've got, this next evolution of that Tony Stark struggle where he's trying to say, I have to protect people. I have so much to redeem myself for. And in an effort to redeem myself, I gave myself more to be redeemed for. And he's so driven. And he's so like, he's, he's like captain Ahab after that whale. And he's got to, got to get what he's after. And on the other hand, you have Steve Rogers, where there's this, I think the crux moment for him is not necessarily Bucky, that's the emotional tie, right? But like the real moment for the Civil War and the justification for it is that moment where he says, Tony, I understand where you're coming from, but the safest hands are still ours. And he says, I can't let some government's politics tell me that the Avengers can't come in and save people. And it created this real world consequence where... The other movies all got to be what they were. But then in Civil War, we sat down and said, you know, you can only blow up evil robots for so long before somebody gets caught in this. Right. And I felt like I don't know. I felt like it was a really relatable, relatable conflict. And I felt like. It was the superhero version of debates I've had with friends over politics or over policy decisions people have made in business, in entertainment, in whatever. and whatever. And it was really understandable. And then to to speak to the Bucky thing for me, like they, ha- I got to be real. They had me hooked the moment that in that first trailer, I think it was the first one. They're talking, and Steve is like. I got to protect him. He's my friend. And when Iron Man looks at him and he's like, yeah, so was I. Like, I wanted to just start weeping in the theater. I was like, oh my <laughs> gosh, no. And I was like, no, the bromance is over. And it was such a – like that moment in the movie is so – rough for me like i seriously tear up at it and i know that sounds so lame but i'm always like no friendship's so important and (laughs) man so i it's really interesting and i don't say that to i don't say any of that necessarily from like a debate standpoint but just to point out how fascinating it is like the different perspectives we brought into this movie because for me civil war is like the apex of the marvel films and and it's just like I also felt like, man, I cared about every single character on the screen. The Vision, like, how much did he just get used as a Deus Ex Machina in the in Ultron? And they're like, well, we're going to need a good robot to fight the bad robot. Here he is, guys. <laughs> and but then in this, it's like, freaking Vision is out there with his maybe what ten minutes on screen. Yeah, he's and out when there he long. Acts- yeah, he's barely there but every moment he's there I'm like, oh man, he's really struggling with what to do here and that is a robot who never makes mistakes and yet he just shot his friend on accident. Holy crap. And man, I don't know, man, Civil War. Who, I love it. I like I want to go watch it now that we've had this conversation. <laughs> I will I will I will try to concede a little bit here and say <laughs>
0: it's May, it, it could be possible that I may not be as emotionally involved in the main characters, Steve and Tony, because the the first two Avengers movies were just – I just thought they were both so bad. I thought the first Avengers movie was just a muddled mess of they tried to hammer out a formula and realized the formula doesn't work when you've got 50 people on screen. and then And then Ultron was just – really bad characterization and dialogue written for Ultron mainly. But I, I think it's, it's potentially possible that those two movies soured me to a point that I wasn't, I didn't have any emotional stakes in Tony and Steve by the time civil war came across. So then it's like, I, I was, I could have been watching the movie saying like, okay, up the ante and buy me back. Like bring me back into this because I agree I think your assessment on on the political and realistic side of things is very astute, and that's clearly the apex they were trying to build up to. But at the same time, it's I don't know. There were so many bumps along the way that it's really tough for maybe maybe I'm the only one, but it just feels really tough for me to be able to see it as a cohesive route when clearly
1: it could have been better along the way. Does that make is that fair? yeah I see where you're coming from on that i mean it's it's not it's not necessarily a line of thinking that I agree with, but it's one that I understand like I see where you're where you're getting at you yep. and also I also get that there's there's massive bias involved
0: here, like I can blatantly tell you that man of Steel and Batman versus Superman have glaring glaring flaws. I will be able to tell them to you straight to the face and one hundred percent know that they are glaring flaws, but you know what i cried at both of those movies i saw man of steel and wept because it was so wonderful for me to see a character that i had been tied to for so long and emotionally identified with on so many different levels and finally get a big screen experience that was worthy of my time and batman versus superman it was like you know what yeah can't be as it is. I cried when Superman killed Doomsday and died. I did. Both times I saw the movie, I cried when that <laughs> Hans Zimmer operatic music played. So I get I get that when we're and 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 I say that because you you are much more married to Marvel than I am too. And so you you you're coming in with a little bit more nuance and emotional history and and context there. And so it is really difficult In the super, I'm talking about these movies like they're a really big deal sometimes, but like it's really (laughs) difficult. I think it's really difficult to separate our bias to the superhero arena than it is in a lot of others. Like I can – I feel like I can be a whole lot more objective when I'm breaking down Oscar movies than I can be when I'm breaking down the difference between Marvel and DC movies because at the end of the day, it's like, hey, you better watch your shit, man. Superman's
1: my guy. (laughs) Even though Superman doesn't need me to defend him. (laughs) I also think one thing that has probably been revealed about the two of us throughout this process is I think you're a lot more forgiving of a person than I am because (laughs) you're able to sit here and be like, yeah, you know, Man of Steel's got some problems, but I really enjoyed it because that character meant a lot to me. And I, on the other hand, grew up as a huge Spider-Man fan an X-Men fan. And so I'll sit here and be like, yeah, Sam Raimi's a brilliant filmmaker that I would punch in the head at least twice for Spider-Man three. And so Spider-Man three is a crime against humanity. But, but I get the feeling Mitch that like, if you were more of a Spider-Man guy, you'd have found something to love in there. And I say that as a compliment, as much as it doesn't sound like one. um, (laughs) Well, I mean the two (laughs) musical numbers, I mean, mean, tell me, (laughs) I, I, I really get the feeling that what we're learning here is that you're a more forgiving person than me because it's I am possible. sitting here like if you mishandle these characters, you know, you could – these these guys are like – these filmmakers. It's like you can go do these terrible things on the side and I'm like, well, you know, you got to learn to separate art from the people who make it and that's tough sometimes and I understand this and that. And then it's like, oh, you did what with Peter Park? Absolutely not. And yeah, right. <laughs> he is hallowed
0: you do not do that i will say um side note we need to do an episode on this i have you know how star wars has this machete order thing about how it's a different way to watch the movies and it's kind of taken the internet by storm yes Yes, so Star Wars Machete Order, I've, I've kind of developed a machete order of sorts for the X-Men movies where we can cut a few out and reorder a few things and uh, just get the good and get rid of the bad and still get, I think, almost the entire narrative intact.
1: We need to do that sometime. Your your I, comment I, about X-Men made me think about that. I really want an X-Men episode once this dust clears on this Infinity War thing because I, I, I really think – The X-Men to Marvel is a fascinating thing that we could really break down. And I also have some theories that I am itching to get out there about how they're going to make it happen. Rock on. Rock on. All right. We're going to do that soon. Yeah. Um,
0: I do want to give... I What I think is really interesting about breaking out Iron Man and Captain America, a couple of things I wanted to mention. Number one is Captain America was – they were bold in taking the most – i the most well-known and most, I guess, developed over a long period of time villain and taking him in the first movie and getting rid of him entirely in
1: that same movie. You know – that takes stones. That wanted to do more with him, but Hugo Weaving really just wasn't feeling the um, wasn't feeling the superhero genre. Wasn't feeling which the Red is, Skull and the superhero stuff. Yeah, which is a heartbreaker because he played the character so well, I thought, and with the level of nuance that's come to the genre in the last decade, I would really love to see him step back in as the skull, as the red Gosh, skull, was, and just he, he was yeah. so good.
0: He really brought it for that movie. And it was just really interesting. And I just find it interesting that he had his one off, but we still have Loki appearing in God friggin' everything. (laughs) Just like Loki's been in as many movies as Tony Stark, it feels like. And that just seems wrong. Like, either he turns good and it's okay, or kill the damn guy by now. Like Tom Hiddleston's a great actor and he's theatrically trained and he can do Shakespeare better than a lot of people. But like, come on, like for real, man. I've had him in seven movies. I've had enough. But then it's like Red Skull. I was like, I could have used a second movie of him. Nope.
1: Well, Red Skull is one of those villains that without any real powers worth discussing, you know, depending on the decade. Um, Red Skull is one of those interesting villains that can be on the level of like a Thanos or a Loki for the danger he poses just because he's that evil and that like long reaching with his evil. Like he thinks it through and he really, he's a literal
0: Nazi. Like, yes, he's, he's a Nazi with superhuman intelligence and superhuman quality. So it's like, take everything about Indiana Jones villains and throw it into the world of comic books. And it's like, why would we not want to get more traction out of this? Um, Because we can never
1: get enough of Indiana Jones beating up Nazis. But I will. But I'll tell you, if they kill off Steve Rogers, I don't want to see the Red Skull come back because they're they're going to kill the Skull without Steve. Just doesn't work for me. Well,
0: because the Skull the Skull is Steve's. Like that's that's his Lex Luthor. as far as the comics are concerned. Um, Another thing that I think is interesting, not necessarily a hot take, but an attempt for me to just sum everything up into a nutshell, I think the Iron Man movies would have been unequivocally better than the Captain America movies as a whole. If the Captain America writing team – or if the the Iron Man writing team would have just done one thing, they would have – stopped being fascinated with the suit.
1: Mm-hmm. And here's what I mean.
0: A big chunk, if not all of the conflict in all three of his movies, comes back to someone is trying to get their hands on the schematics to make their own version of the suit. And it's the same thing I said with Loki. Not a bad concept. Not a bad way to do it. But if I'm watching each of those three movies is over two hours long. I'm watching six hours of three different movies of a main character with different villains. But the best thing that the writers could ever come up with is, oh man, they may have got Tony Stark's plan to like figured out how to make Tony Stark's suit again. Oh, we better fix that. Like you, you couldn't get a little bit more creative with all the real estate that Iron Man is giving you from the comic books.
1: Well, and I am intrigued by how many times he has supposedly hung up the suit only to then have a fancier version in the next Marvel film or to even create something like Ultron. Like I, I I guess
0: it's just that that, there's, there's stuff that they could have been, that could have been done to make them better. And especially with like, I think Iron Man two is the one that suffered the most because I I had Iron Man two higher on my list than you did. But like Mickey Rourke is a phenomenal actor and he did a great job with his bit in that movie. But he is a grade A top-notch actor. And Sam Rockwell has always been a low-key favorite of mine. I see almost everything he's in. I love that he's got an Oscar now. The dude brings it and he's versatile. And I thought that he was an incredible way to infuse acting chops and humor into the sinister side of things in that universe. But it's like at the same time, it's like, man, you just you just want to make another suit. <laughs> and Whiplash is clearly a character that is way more developed in the comic books that was just kind of glossed over. And it was really sad because what Mickey Rourke did with that character had an awful lot of real estate there. And so I'm just sitting here thinking like, man, I enjoyed Iron Man 2, but I think it could have been almost phenomenal. Really could have been.
1: You know, I, I think Iron Man 2 is one of those movies. I think some I, – I did want to get into this too as our reversed Iron Man 2 and 3 um because i I don't hate either movie but i think two suffers from being a sequel for a sequel's sake definitely and and i think that you know because you do have mickey rourke who has been really vocal about how angry he was at the lack of substance to his character after Mm -hmm. he you know i mean he was kind of writing this same way there was such a great meta story there where like Robert Downey Jr. got clean and became Iron Man. and now Mickey Rourke was in the wrestler, and he's turning his life around, and he's gonna be the bad guy in Iron Man. And you're like, wow, this is there's some some levels to this that I can't articulate, but they're pretty cool. And I felt like, yeah, Mickey Rourke was really underutilized, and he felt it too. Um, mm-hmm. but i I did, you know, we agreed, and then there's a there's a Twitter that I followed. i I quoted this online today said we were going to cite it tonight. So shout out to the movie deaths Twitter. Um, But you know, this person said that they've seen the original Iron Man, like a hundred times and Iron Man two and three, maybe three times. And that's me too. Like when I read that, I was like, Oh, Oh, that's absolutely me. And, and so I think that two and three are fascinating to me because they just failed to capture our imagination. Like the first one did. And yet, our love of the character was totally unfazed, right? Like nobody totally. said screw those Iron Man movies, only one of them's good. Everybody's like, "Hmm, I wish 2 and 3 were a little better."
0: I no, I think I think we handed over our money gleefully and even <laughs> were entertained and even enjoyed them. Yeah, but, but then in our hot take Twitter culture that we are all willing participants of then then it becomes a, a level of saying okay well then we have to rank it we have to pick we have to do these sorts of things because that's what we do it's what we're doing right now and I love it I'm a sucker for that sort of stuff so then it's kind of like okay well yeah I really enjoy living in the MCU and <laughs> um, the the main ones needed to have their equal amount of movies and those sorts of things and stuff and it just seems like that we get to the point where yeah we enjoy Iron Man 2 we enjoy Iron Man 3 but we are no means proud of them. Mm, Whereas the winter soldier, civil war, the first iron man, those sorts of people are proud of, but coincidentally, those are the ones that, you know, have the strongest writing. That's what we keep coming back to. Essentially. Um, It's just really interesting to me that. um, I don't know. I guess it just becomes a greater, a greater conversation of what is the purpose then? Are, are we wanting to be entertained by characters that we enjoy in a universe that we know is going to go on and on, like the James Bond movies. And then every once in a while, there's one that just comes along and then it's like, Holy crap, skyfall, Holy crap. But really it's just like James Bond. Or are we really genuinely still thirsty for those Christopher Nolan type moments and want a, a, a packaged trilogy or more of just, Holy crap. Was this mind blowing
1: cinema? I, I don't know if there's a concrete answer to that. So for you, what um, what's the difference maker that puts Iron Man 2 over Iron Man 3 for you? Mickey Rourke and Sam Rockwell. Yeah. And the fact
0: that basically Iron Man 3 was just more suit stuff. And I'm not... Everything they did with Ben Kingsley in Iron Man 3 was just a throwaway. Yeah. And... Um, that was supposed to be a big selling point. And I just, I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm just not invested in the comics enough. I don't, I don't like the idea of Colonel James Rhodes having an Iron Man suit. I don't like the idea of him battling along like Iron Man. I want to
1: watch Iron Man do Iron Man things. Yeah. War Machine's always been an interesting character to me because he always just felt to me like Iron Man, but want to be 90s edition where we're going to struggle to make it what? I was just said they and and coming back to the emotional stakes
0: thing like obviously he's had a much longer arc in the comic books I get that but it's like I have absolutely no emotional attachment to his concept of being Iron Man part 2 You know what I mean? Like being being the 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 sidekick of the actual I'm wearing a suit and Like I don't know. I I don't think they flesh that out very well at all, other than the fact that like they're buddies and they work in the war business.
1: Well, and isn't it? I I feel like, again, this is back to when the Iron Man movies got made and if they could have just had five more years for the genre to grow. I think there's a missed opportunity in the roadie character where. They could have leaned more, and you get some bit of this, but they could have leaned more into, in a more engaging way, the idea that he's the government guy who thinks we need to, you know, put these weapons in the hands of the government. And Iron Man is the guy who's saying, "Hold up," you know, and and maybe you can do a little bit of that growth towards civil war that way, where you know, Iron Man is gradually coming to see things more and more roadies way. I don't know. I, I'm not trying oh, to tell yeah. anybody else how to write their movies. Cause you know, none of mine have been picked up yet, but, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah it, sitting here with that. Uh, I, I got that in human script for you guys. Um, I'm, re- I'm ready guys. When you're ready, let's do it. <laughs> I'll, I'm cheap.
0: Um, <laughs> right?
1: yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd settle at, for at a million. The day,
0: at the end of the day, even with all of its flaws, I just, mickey rourke and sam rockwell sell it enough for me i still wish iron man 2 was better but i don't maybe it's just because i'm a fan of them. like M- mickey Rourke and sam rockwell make iron man 2 better than iron man 3 that's where i'm at
1: so for me the reason why i put three just a just a scotch ahead of two is just because i felt like two played it so safe and that's its problem Whereas Mm -hmm. three tried some things and to be fair, I think it failed at a lot of those things. And that sounds like I didn't like the movie and I did, but I I think three fails more than it succeeds. However, I do appreciate that it tried some different stuff and it made it a more interesting watch to me than just the sequel for sequel's sake in number two. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, again, it's I mean, we're splitting hairs there. At least I am. Um, yeah, splitting hairs to see who's scraping the bottom. Right, exactly. Um, but that—that's for me how those two broke down. All
0: right, so let's let's do it right now, Jake. In just a few seconds,
1: tell me who dies in Infinity War. Who is not coming back? Uh, Tony Stark getting the axe. I think that we are being misled to believe that Steve Rogers will die. I think Steve gets to retire in style. And I think that Tony makes the ultimate sacrifice finally to once and for all redeem himself and die a hero, Re- reuniting with his friends, making amends for his mistakes um, and uh, taking protecting people finally like he's wanted to all along. Uh, so I, I think Tony's story is more Shakespearean and it deserves that kind of ending. Um, Shakespeare is a bit dramatic for <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. As I mean, that <laughs> Tony Stark, that suit. Tony Stark, he might as well be
0: Hamlet. You know what I mean? <laughs> I uh, I agree. I agree with you that that would be the most stunning way for that character to go out. It would also be interesting to see. Obviously, they're playing up the Captain America thing. If Captain America bites it, it will have to be in a situation where Tony Stark feels partially guilty about it too. Like that's, that's the only other character trait for that. It'll be interesting to see. I'm definitely getting the vibe too, from the limited pop culture reporting that, that I follow that it seems like Robert Downey is mentally at a place where he's more ready to call it quits than necessarily Chris Evans is too. So that's obviously mm-hmm. a contributing factor. It's like it, whoever they choose to kill, if they don't kill both of them, it probably would be, um, I'd be able to lean towards more RDJ as well, just from the standpoint of like, it seems like he's ready to be
1: done. Yeah. And I, well, and he's carried this colossal franchise for so long. Um, he's, he was, and he was in half a Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think, I think other than those two being the big ones, um, I think there's a decent, but not I don't know, I'd say fifty-fifty shot on Thor dying. Um because even though Ragnarok was a big hit, even though um everybody you know, Hemsworth saying suddenly that he likes the character again. I'm reading stuff recently where he's saying, nah, I'm done. It's it's hard to believe this all of infinity war is going to happen without at
0: least one of the main guys dying like y- you got to think at least rdj or chris evans are done possibly a thor like you mentioned but like right like it that seems like that's one of the things that we are owed with the lead up to this movie is somebody somebody's, <laughs> somebody's got to get uh, voted off the island right
1: yeah i think uh- to me, there's this question of do you bring in – because yes, you're right. There is, There have been so many teases of death for so long that now someone's got to make good on it now that you've got a threat like Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet. To me, there's this question of do you introduce the comic book trope of death never sticks and do you – so that you can kill so many people but then be like hey everybody's back at the end or do you make it stick in this version of the universe and i think that's what's interesting because i'm not sure i'd like for death to not stick in this universe but maybe that's just because it hasn't been done yet i don't know death has got to happen in infinity war i mean ultimately that's what i'm looking for they had a new trailer out today they're calling it the final trailer Oh yeah, I didn't. I haven't watched it yet. I'm a horrible fan. I need to watch it. Oh, I just caught it while we were getting ready here. It's great though. Go check it out if you haven't yet, everybody. Nice,
0: rock on. Well, hit us up on the twitters or on the instagrams. Uh, we are on Twitter at Watch Comics with an X at Watch Comics Pod, or on Instagram we are at Watching Comics Podcast. Hit us up. We want to hear from you and uh, check out our website. Send us some fan mail at watchingcomics.com. And the big thing is just gear up, ramp up for Infinity War. It's coming next week. We're going to be dishing on that on our next episode. You can count on that. Want to see who dies? Want to see the big battle? It's going down.
1: Yeah, come on back. We'd be happy to tell you what to think about it.